Love Lives Here. Hi, I'm Holly Steele. And I'm Mary Stedman. We are the creators of Steele and Stedman Service Solutions. And together have a combined 70 year history as service professionals. Our belief is that talking about love should not simply be relegated to the domain of music and art. We agree with the late, great Tina Turner when she sings, what's love got to do with it? Well, everything. In this Service Love Podcast, you will experience conversations with hospitality professionals, including world-class concierge, entrepreneurs, business owners, and corporate executives around the world on how they express service love. Thank you for joining us in leading a service love movement. There is no doubt what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. Well, welcome everybody. Today we have a huge treat with us because we really have an iconic figure in the world of the concierge joining us today. And I have a uh, very, very long, decades long relationship with this guest today that when we, um, when I first started as a concierge, Tom was integral. I mean, completely integral in that. And we used to joke and because I was the first female and he was the very America's first concierge, really. Uh, we used to call ourselves the king and queen of concierge land. And that was um, at least four decades ago. So um, the although the profession of the modern concierge dates back to the 1800s, in the 1900s, concierge were only present in Europe due to their French origins. But it was not until the 1970s that the concierge profession found its way to the United States. Thomas Wolfe is known internationally as the first concierge in the United States. Having worked in Europe for a number of years, he eventually took up a position with the Fairmount Hotel in San Francisco in 1974. And he also went on to found the USA chapter of Lake Claydor in the United States. Having studied at the hands of some of Europe's best concierge, Wolf introduced his traditional European training combined with a can-do attitude and was thus able to offer the best of both continents to the hotel clients that he served. As a child, Mr. Wolf traveled extensively with his family and he very quickly became interested in luxury hotels. I mean, their ambiance, beauty, and the level of service they offered their guests was very attractive to Tom. Now, although originally he was born in Washington, D.C., he grew up in New York. Traveling to Europe shortly after his graduation from American University back in Washington, D.C., Drawing on a hospitality background, he took his first job as chef de reception at the Ritz in London. It was here in Europe that Wolf learned the gracious, seasoned concierge and the importance of that role. His respect and admiration for the concierge profession guided his ambition to become a concierge himself. But he realized the importance of training and experience. 
1970, Wolf embarked on his dreams and began an apprenticeship with the Savoy Management Group at the exclusive Hotel Lancaster in Paris. After his tour of duty involving exhaustive training and personal experience, Wolf decided to return to the United States and began his American concierge career as the country's first concierge at the Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco. Wolf proceeded to take up his vocation with the Fairmont Hotel Company from 1974 to 1981. Having previously worked in Europe, he had a unique opportunity to use his knowledge to educate the public on what was expected of a great concierge and to adapt his European teachings to essentially build the American concierge industry. I was one of the lucky recipients of all of this, Tom, because without you, my life would be nowhere <laughs> as rich. Now, back to your bio. Uh, following the time at the Fairmount, Wolf went on to become resident manager for the Boca Beach Club, part of the Boca Raton Hotel and Club in Florida, earning a degree of certified hotel administrator, a CHA, in the process. After his time in Florida, Wolf again returned to San Francisco in 1982 and took on the position of chef concierge at the Hotel Meridian. News of Wolf's success reached far and wide, and he soon found himself in Japan, pioneering the industry as the first concierge in Japan. Wolf spent time from 1985 to 1989 serving as the, set, as the chef concierge and director of international guest relations at the new Otani Hotel and Tower in Tokyo. A world-renowned figure. In 1989, Ivana Trump, president of the Plaza Hotel in New York City, persuaded Wolf to come back to the United States as executive chef concierge and director of guest services at this landmark hotel. Wolf took the assignment for another four years and then returned to Asia to work as a group concierge consultant for Shangri-La Hotels and Resorts. Despite his international success, Wolf soon became homesick and returned once more to the Fairmont, San Francisco, where he has remained since 1995. Most recently, he's been elected as the new president of the Northern California Concierge Association. How wild is that? Full circle, he founded the damn thing, right? And now he's a president again. And a, he is a truly remarkable man and one that has changed the concierge industry in a remarkable number of ways. Thomas Wolfe, America's first concierge, will be remembered as an integral pioneer of this industry for decades to come. Thank you, Tom, for being with Mary and myself today on our podcast Pleasure. talking about service love. So um, you have certainly served with love for all of these years and have touched so, so, so many lives. And so we thought that we would start our questioning by asking you the, what you would consider to be the definition of service love. Service love. Uh, that's a great question. And it's uh, one that I've been asked before. Uh, sometimes people will just say, what, 
what do I need to do to be a good concierge? Do I need to speak uh, 17 languages and, you know, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And my answer to them is always the same. You have to have a gigantic heart. So there's love right there. You got to have a huge heart and your head that does not get big when somebody like the mayor calls you and asks for a parking spot out in front. Okay. The love part of it is very similar to that which you will see in many nurses and many teachers, and it has to do with giving. This is where you give, you give, you give, you give, and you keep on giving. And when you think you can't give anymore, you reach down inside and you just give some more. That's the kind of the the foundation of service love, in my opinion. That's great. And my goodness, your bio is so incredible. So during your career, when did you know you loved what you did? When was that moment? I think I can nail that one for you, uh, Mary. Uh, Now, by the way, geographically, where are you? I'm in London. You're in London. Good old yeah. London, my, my old stamping grounds. I love London. And um, when I worked at the Ritz, uh, and I was just in my 20s then, uh, I, I, I kind of knew already that I really loved what I did. But I, uh, the galvanizing moment when, you know, it was like, like, like getting, you know, that, that kind of uh, feeling was when I met the Queen Mother. Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, as she was then. And uh, she came to the Ritz for dinner and uh, with a big entourage of people. And when they all left, uh, they passed through that beautiful rotunda lobby where we were all lined up. And it's about one o'clock in the morning. But gosh, royalty is in the hotel. You, nobody goes home. I mean, you could be the third uh, assistant dishwasher. You don't leave the hotel until royalty. They always go first. So the queen mother came into the lobby with her big entourage and uh, looked around at all these uh, people, including our general manager, and then saw me and walked right over to me. Now, and I did not do like over here, you know, no, I, 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 I was being totally, correct, dignified, and just, you know, standing there with a poker face. She came over to me and spoke to me and looked at me with those great big shining blue eyes and told me how much she enjoyed her evening. And she was just talking right to my heart. And I said, this is it. This is what it's all about. Because talk about love. There's a lady who just radiated love. Remember, she wasn't born to be queen, like, uh, what's his name, who uh, married that woman, uh, you know. She, uh, (laughs) remember Wallace? Okay, forget it. But uh, she and and Bertie, who, who was definitely not prepared to suddenly become king, they did their absolute finest. They would go to the East End after the, the Blitz. They were marvelous, marvelous people. And she, has ju- she was just full of love. And when she was talking to me, it wasn't just gossamer. 
It was the real thing. And that's when I felt that connection. And I, I thought, you know, that's kind of qualified me now. You know, that's made me feel like I'm really a hotel man now, now that the actual queen mother came and said hello to me. And it wasn't about the celebrityness. It was just about the way that she had presented herself. And it gave me inspiration as I went forward in my life to try to do, to be as noble as, as she had been. So beautiful. And uh, I, I didn't meet the Queen Mother, but I've met Queen Elizabeth. I'd say she had the similar effect on me in my early career at the Fairmont Royal York Hotel. So. Marvelous. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm feeling really privileged right now to be able to have this conversation with you uh, mm-hmm. to get your thoughts and your experience because it's so vast and um, respected. And I want to know some of the ways that you have expressed service love in your career. I would have to say by never letting, uh, never letting people down by always placing my clients needs above everything else in spite of what I feel inside, you know, sometimes you go to work and you just feel terrible and, you know, maybe something happened uh, and, wow, you have to still produce that, that service and the service love as we are embracing here and talking about. Um, when I, uh, I kind of do like Jack Lemmon. First of all, I, I always get perfectly attired and everything, make sure I'm okay, do the check. And then uh, just before I go on stage, as it were, I look in the mirror again and I go with my bow tie, I go, show tie. Okay. And that's showing that now I'm entering this world where my guest is the person who I'll be taking care of, whoever they may be. Doesn't matter if they're the queen mother or Joe Doe from Kokomo. And uh, you know, uh, that's, that's how I feel. So it's, it's an attitude that you have to, carry within you when you are on that big stage of service. I love it. Just do showtime. That's so great. But I, I think one of the things that, I, that I'm excited about this uh, particular podcast and this particular question is, Tom, you have been interviewed multiple, multiple times, right? And yes. it feels like to me, that every interviewer always asks the same questions. Like they say things like, so what was the most interesting thing anyone ever asked for? What was your most challenging thing? Like, how creative are you? Tell us all these creative things you've done. Well, what I would like to know, and what Mary and I are really interested in the service love movement that we're doing is, it doesn't matter about how clever it was. What'd you do just for love? That's what we really like. It just feels like a question that as like, I want a reporter to ask. So now that I'm a reporter, I'm asking. It. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's very good. And I shall answer uh, the uh, best example I can give of that was a couple of years ago, a lady stayed in the hotel with her two young sons. I guess they were probably like seven and nine years old. And I'd made a different arrangements for them. And, uh, she came to me and said, you know, you've been really marvelous. And I have to tell you, this is the first trip that we have taken without 
my husband being present because he passed away last year. Wow. Wow. Bless her heart for being, you know, having the courage to go out with the kids. And I, I, I thought, you know, what can I do to make it even more special for these guys? I've made the arrangements for them. Well, I got a hold of the head park ranger on Alcatraz, who was a friend of mine at the time, uh, John, big, tall guy. And I clued him in. I said, these guys are coming over, John. Whatever you can do would be appreciated. And that's not something you ask a park ranger. Hey, take care of my friends who are coming over. You just don't do that. But I did it there. And when they went over, uh, he just gathered up that family is big, tall guy with the Sam Brown hat and just as sweet as could be. Uh, maybe you've seen that truck out on Alcatraz, you know, that old truck, that steak body truck that they used in the movie. Yeah, he, he, he drives around in that. He took me in for a ride in it one time. He's a really, really, really wonderful guy. And he gave them not only the whole Alcatraz special experience, but he gave those boys a role model now that their dad is gone, here's, here's, an, here, here's another wonderful person like your dad who you can look at and say, gee, maybe one day I could be doing that. That was one thing. And, you know, I did, I did other things, too, and got them to different places and stuff. But I, I really felt when they left that I'd accomplished something that I'd kind of helped to fill in slightly that huge gap that they had without the dad. And I got uh, a letter from the lady, I guess, about a month or two later, saying how marvelous it was and how the, the boys were doing really well and they were being strong and coping. And I thought, if I had this much, if I had a grain of sand's worth of influence to help that, hallelujah. I love that. Thank you. Do you know what I really love about that, Tom, is that you said, well, I made all the arrangements because that's mm -hmm. the job. But then you asked yourself the question, but what could I do for love? What could I do to be kinder? What could I do to make it even more special? Because so many people think, well, I did my job. I made the arrangements. What else can I do? <laughs> they don't ask themselves the question, what else can I do? And so that is a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing it with us. You're welcome. Yeah, I love that. So beautiful. And it's been an interesting few years for the world and for our industry. Um, so we've had many challenges. Uh, but what would you say right now is a challenge in providing service love? What's one of your challenges you're facing? Well, it almost means we have to retrain everybody in everything. You know, uh, you're away from uh, the life we had several years ago. And a lot of people have forgotten how we lived that life. I'm, I'm serious, you know, and it doesn't matter what your age is. You, you're just not used to going back and trying to be normal. And uh, that's the biggest challenge that I have. So I, I try to ease people into the, the stream and get them uh, to understand, you know, we're back and we're, we're going to take care of you. And yeah, maybe, Maybe we don't have everything the way it used to be, uh, but we're still going to make it a wonderful experience for you so that when they leave San Francisco, they're going to say, geez, I had a great time. 
and I made a really good friend. And, and there again is the love where you're connecting with that person. So that's, you know, the physical challenges that we come, come by. I was watching uh, a Japanese show last night. And, you know, the next big thing that, that is, is not even right around the corner, it's here. You go to Japan, is, the, is this artificial intelligence. Do you realize we have cars, taxis that pick people up already in San Francisco with no driver? Of course, I signed up for that, uh, not as a driver, because they don't have drivers, but I signed up as a passenger. So I'm just waiting for the call, you know, they because uh, uh, the, they are giving rights to certain privileged people and you have to get on a wait list to do that, which I understand. I mean, how, how cool is that? I'll tell you one thing. No driver is better than having a driver in San Francisco. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's that's the big challenge that we're facing, that the world is changing still and it's resetting itself. Uh, and I think we are in a position to, if not guide that reset, at least influenced it to some degree. And that's important because when we come right down to it, we're all just human beings and we're all just looking to go forward in life and do the very best we can and still get a little pleasure out of it too. What's wrong with that? Why shouldn't we? Right. That's a perfect concierge <laughs> thing. Get a little pleasure out of it. You know, I, uh, something that is not in your bio, Tom, but I know about you and anyone who knows you knows and this little story that you just told to get on a wait list to go on a driverless taxi. <laughs> uh, Mr. Wolf is very interested in technology and has always been from like an early adapter to an iPhone to when Google came out with those glasses, Tom, remember right? when when uh, Google came out and I went and interviewed <laughs> you and I wanted, you know, you wore those crazy glasses and, you know, you're always really interested in technology. It's one of the things that fascinates you. And um, so the thing so those are that's something that i know that you're very interested in also we believe that because service comes from inside out yes we need to take care of ourselves so how do you love and care for yourself so that you're able to you know grab that bow tie and say showtime showtime for all well, decades i'm extremely blessed because i have the world's greatest support committee and that would be my wife takeko who whom i met in japan voila and uh, who uh, has supported me through thick and thin. And believe me, there were some rough days. I was very ill, as you know, Holly, uh, some years ago, about, I guess, a dozen years ago now, which is great because that's in the rearview mirror, except I don't use a rearview mirror anymore. I'm like Frank Lloyd Wright. He, he eliminated the back window in his car. Did you know that? Isn't that great? I'm only going to look forward. I don't need to look backward. But, uh, well, yeah, you do kind of. But anyway, uh, so she's been marvelous to me and we've helped each other over the years. And I have a little dog named Chanel um, and I would hold her up, but she's snoothing comfortably at my feet now. And she had a recent, she had a little trauma thing uh, where she had to go to the hospital for three or four days. And now she's on her recovery mode and she's doing very well. She's 15. We got her when she was two rescue dog. So I've got those two people taking care of me. Now, notice I refer to her as a person. She is. <laughs> and, uh, plus, uh, it's attitude. It's all about attitude. Going back to when I was sick, hey, you know, uh, when 
you when you wake up and the Padre has given you the last rites, you know, this one here. Uh, and I looked up at him and I said, uh, I didn't realize that I was that sick that I was like, you know, I was almost a goner. And I looked up at him and I said, hey, Padre, is this really necessary? And he looked down at me with these gleaming eyes. He kind of looked like Bing Crosby and going my way. And, and he said, uh, my son, it can't hurt. And I thought, right, like chicken soup, you know, it can't hurt. So, uh, but my attitude was always, you know, crack a joke, have some fun. Even if you're, uh, you know, uh, even if you're not in a position to do it, uh, you can't get up and do a dance or sing a song, maybe, but you can still talk to people. You can still communicate. And the people who do that, I think, have a much better chance of continuing their journey through life than people who just, you know, they get a farbison or put them and they, you know, they, they, they just, uh, you know, they, 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 they don't, they don't have any hope anymore. That's not good. You know, no matter how bad things are, they could always be worse, right? Just like it could, it can't hurt, you know, it could be better, right? I couldn't agree with you more, Tom. It's mindset. <laughs> yeah, it's, we have control, right, over our minds. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful way. Beautiful way of putting it. It's the positivity. So you have a lot of love and compassion, obviously, with uh, all these years of service, and I could probably listen to you for many days <laughs> on all your stories. But where do you feel um, there's love missing? Where is that kindness and love missing in the world? Yeah. Uh, I have to actually refer to my notes here. Let's see here. Uh, where is love missing? Uh, da, da, da. Well, uh, it's missing when you have uh, unrequited love, where you're giving the love to people, and uh, there it's 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 like hitting the hitting the wall, you know, and it's or having a flat tennis ball, boom, you know, it just goes down and doesn't come back at you. You have to accept that as being part of the uh part of the uh the 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 uh, transaction if you will that that sounds awfully financial but it it's part of the the interaction that you're having with that person that sometimes you're going to be given uh you know a thousand percent and you're not even going to get one percent back because that person's on his phone or he's got his earphones in and he's going like this to you you know I, I guess I said he could be could be a she, you know, could be anybody. Right. <laughs> but uh, so uh, COVID contributed that uh, to a degree because of the fact that people weren't interacting in a normal way face to face. So that didn't help the, the situation. So but I still you cannot you cannot go and condemn somebody because they are, uh, you know, not loving you back. Uh, we don't know what happened to them. We really don't know what their backstory is. And there's always a backstory. So you have to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. I remember one time, um, this is a long time ago, there was this fellow and he was such a, 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 a pill. That's the word, right? <laughs> such a pill. How do you admit them, right? Such a pill. My goodness, he was gritting his teeth when he was talking to me. I just want to know where the Union Square is. And I said, right, going to show you. Let me walk you over here. I was practically ready to walk him down to Union Square. Uh, 
And uh, later on, I saw his wife and I said, uh, is he OK? Which I didn't think was an uh, insulting question because he really seemed like he was like either in terrible pain or something. And uh, she just kind of sighed and said, no, he's been like that for a while now. So that was something that was a condition that he had, you know, just he, boy, I, I don't want to get that, you know, be, get the grumps like that. So uh, we don't know that. So sometimes we have to deal with people like that. But guess what? The, the, the silver lining is that for every one of those people, there's a thousand people who are going to be nice and appreciate it. And even if they don't, you've still given of yourself. You've done your part of the transaction, the bargain, the 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 experience as it were thank you oh that's so important tom that's such an important thing to to share and to teach Mm -hmm. because i i I had a friend once who told me this she said like you know this was you know long after i wasn't a concierge anymore and people Mm -hmm. would ghost me and you would write that you know and they wouldn't answer Mm -hmm. you and she said to me she said holly you can't be angry at people for not doing what they never promised in the first place (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, wow. That's a good great. one. Isn't that great? What a great Amen. Right. They you know, so so reflecting on that though, I think it's really interesting. Reflecting on that and love as a foundational value, a value for you, right? It's we when we believe, you know, obviously what we're doing, it's a value for us. So reflecting for you as a love as a foundational value. When you think about your future self, and it may be a funny question at this mm-hmm. point in life, but you think about your future self, we always have one of those. Um, what is one thing with love as a foundational value that your future self must have? Yes, that is a really, really good one. And it's uh, the capability. I, ha- I had to refer to my notes because I, I, I took time answering that question. And it's the capability of always always uh, seeing the world through the eyes of a child. How's that? Huh? I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm like a, a, am I a 10-year-old yet? I don't know. I, I might not even be that high up. I'm probably about a nine-year-old. And when I was nine, I, I was also uh, very interested in technology. My, um, my dad was very proud of me. He said, my son is mechanically inclined. You like that, huh? My son is mechanically inclined. And my mother in the background would be kind of muttering under her breath, he's destructive. <laughs> and they were, they were both right, you know, uh, because I would take things apart. Yeah, and sometimes I would not put them back together. So that was the destructive part. But the mechanically inclined was going in there and seeing what made them work and, you know, taking my electric cranes to bits and doing that. And, and probably better than 50 percent of the time, I put it all together and it might run funny. I might have to, like, push the transformer in the reverse direction to make it go forward. But it's OK. It's all right. <laughs> you know, one of the things, you know, in all, in, in all the years of teaching service, there's so few things that are black and white, but one of them is, um, I believe, that without curiosity, you cannot be good at this business. Mm, and yeah, yeah. So full of curiosity and to think childlike. It's so it's so enormous. So if you're nine, <clears throat> I'm seven. So that's um, that's that that that's a really interesting uh, point of view and value. And I'm turning this back over to Mary, who has a fun little exercise to do. All right. 
Excellent. So we are coming to five rapid fire questions. Okay. <laughs> well, I've always been ready, Mary. Always. <laughs> All right. So do you prefer magazines or books? Books. Excellent. Do you prefer ice cream or frozen yogurt? Ice cream. Do you prefer mountains or the beach? The beach. Do you prefer classical art or modern art? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'd have to say uh, classical art. And do you have a favorite artist? Well, I like the Renaissance uh, painters, you know, and, and also the realists, you know, uh, who did that stuff. Great. And final last question is, do you prefer New York City or Tokyo? Tokyo. Listen, I grew up in New York, all right? Okay. <laughs> all right. I don't have the novelty of it anymore. Although when I was in Tokyo, um, and I uh, came to work at the plaza when uh, Ivana Trump recruited me. Uh, I surprised my wife to tell her that, you know, and, uh, but I knew she'd be okay in New York because she was a Tokyoite, see? And when we went to New York in three days, she memorized the subway. She, she was totally acquainted with it. Meanwhile, I'm telling people, uh, yeah, you go, you got to take the BMT down, down by, uh, you know, South Ferry. And, and, and the guy next to me is going, Tom, the BMT closed down 15 years ago. All right. <laughs> we don't have it anymore. I had to relearn New York like overnight. Sorry. No, I love that. That's great. We have one last closing question for you. Sure. And uh, so since this is service love, how are you going to continue to serve with love? Well, uh, I, I'm just never going to change my attitude for starters, because you don't have to be a concierge to give service love. You can have that in your heart. And when somebody asks you a question on the street, as occasionally happens, uh, how do I get on the cable car? You can, you can give them everything you've got on that and ask them where they're from and have a nice conversation and show the love. And then they go back saying, man, those people in San Francisco are really nice. You know, <laughs> and that's what we want, really, you know, want them to give a good report. I love it. I just, well, first of all, thank you so, so much for your time and uh, to your dedication to this profession. Um, you definitely serve with love and uh, anyone would be lucky to work with you or who have worked with you. <laughs> and I haven't had the chance to work with you, Tom, but you are always someone that um, I always looked up to in my career, such as a concierge. And we did thank share you. moments at Fairmont together. So I appreciate you and, uh, sure. and for giving your time today because I think it's it's really important what you've shared with us. So thank you. Well, well it was a pleasure to be here today. And, um, you know, I'm always struck by, uh, we had a presenter in Kuala Lumpur when we had our Clay Door Congress there. And that was Mr. Ublo, uh, who is the, the, the head guy of Ublo Watch Company. And he, he's an incredible guy. He, he made a speech and he was wearing his little jeweler's jacket. And uh, 
his whole speech was about service. And his whole pitch was, all you need is love. All you need is love. Da, 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 da. So that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm totally with Mr. Hublot on that. All you need is love. Keep it going. A big thank you to all of you for listening to the end today, and especially to our guest, Tom, for sharing his tools and stories on how you can serve with more love. Have you ever wondered how to express service love? Well, up next in episode three, you'll be hearing from Robert Marks, third vice president of UICH International, Lake Lador, and chef concierge of Omni San Diego Hotel. You do not want to miss his stories on the importance of listening, empathy, and care, and providing love to all types of guests in many different situations. We would love to hear from you on how you are serving love and also any takeaways you had today. Please drop us a line and join our Service Love Challenge by visiting our website at www.steelandsteadmanservicesolutions.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at service underscore love and LinkedIn at Steel and Stedman Service Solutions. My name is Mary Stedman. This is the Service Love Podcast. And Holly and I look forward to you joining us on the next episode. <laughs>